on guard. Pray. Ale. Welcome to the Tokyo 2020 Fencing Podcast. It's episode 30. Woohoo! We've made it through to episode 30. Uh, I'm Karen Bashir, and joining me as ever, the spreadsheet geek, sorry, spreadsheet king of fencing, uh, Dave Baker. Dave, we're, things are really hotting up, and I can see there's lots of activity on social media as we come to the conclusion of Olympic qualification. I'll embrace that geek term, Bash. Don't you worry. Um, yeah, no, it's all it's all kicking off, which is great. Um, yeah, thousands of people on my page, which is great. So just over three thousand eight hundred followers. So thank you to each and every single one of you. Uh, getting more messages than I know what to do with about individual qualification races, and it's just coming down to that last couple of weeks. So everyone's paying attention. I'm I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, and um, look, as things hot up, um, look, we've we've already set ourselves a bit of a precedent of doing uh, these um, uh, preview uh, podcasts uh, going into the last qualifiers. Uh, perhaps we should ask uh, some of your three thousand, maybe not all of them, but some of them, <laughs> to send us some questions for those previews. Absolutely, you know, it's nice enough uh, hearing us rattle on, but I'm sure some insightful questions would be mostly appreciated. Uh, I mean, what uh, what harm would another podcast do, Bash? We get enough of them done. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, look, uh, let's get tucked into this one. This one's all about women's sabre and uh, the World Cup in Athens, the penultimate qualifier for them. Going into the competition, uh, the team situation saw Russia, France, Korea and Italy sitting in the top four automatic spots with Hungary, the USA, China and Tunisia holding the uh, relative zonal spots. So, Dave, before we get cracking into what happened in Athens... What did we know in terms of qualification for teams going into Athens? So I think we only had one team qualified uh, coming in. You know, it was only three out of five World Cups, so we had a long way to go. Uh, so we had Russia as as the qualified team, but I think everyone else um, technically could be caught uh, for one reason or another. But certainly, stories could be settled, or certainly qualification. And it could be settled for some of the remaining teams. So let's have a look at what happened in Athens. Uh, well, Russia took the title again, uh, beating Italy in the final with Hungary taking the bronze medal, beating Poland. But as always uh, with team competitions, uh, as we get to the the crux of qualification, if you like, let's go through things round by round, because that really does paint the picture moving forwards. Starting in the 32, the one that stood out for me was uh, Tunisia, who were sitting in the African spot, uh, taking on Venezuela, uh, that that was a crucial match, and it was one that Venezuela won. Uh, now they ended up finishing twelfth after losing to Russia uh, on their route uh, to the placings matches. Are they a threat to the top sixteen? And I'm talking about are they going to knock out Tunisia? Yeah, so that's really the head to head for the final World Cup. Um, Venezuela haven't made it to every competition. I suspect that's funding related. Um, but yeah, this is going to be the debate uh, whether Tunisia can stay inside the top 16 or not. And the team best placed to, to knock them out is uh, the Venezuelan team. Yeah, so just to, just to clarify, in case you're not already up to speed fully with team qualification, the top four at the end of qualification go automatically irrespective of zone. And then you have to be your highest, the highest team in your zone to qualify. But you also have to be in the top 16 in the Olympic rankings. So Tunisia pretty much hovering on the brink of going out of the 16 after that loss to Venezuela. Also in the 32, Dave, um, we saw Japan going out to Greece 
but critically, China had a buy. Now, I don't want to preempt anything, but did that was that already the end of the Asian race? Uh, no, well, there's, there's a couple of different things going on in the Asian race, but let's let's just talk about China versus Japan to start with. They still can. Uh, Japan can still catch China, but they need a gold medal at the final World Cup and China to um, to not improve on their 26 points. So uh, let's say unlikely. Right, so certainly in the China-Japan race, all but over with China effectively winning, albeit if uh, Japan don't go on and win uh, at the final World Cup. So that, that's, an, that's an interesting story to keep an eye on as well as we continue to discuss uh, the zones. We move into the 16 and... Um, Okay, here's here's let's let's just let's have a look at Ukraine uh, versus uh, Poland, a critical match and really critical because my spies on the ground, and uh, I'm happy for you to tell me that I'm wrong because I know you've got spies as well. <laughs> but my spies on the ground said that Carlan uh, did not fence in the individual, not because she was injured, not because she wasn't well, but because she was specifically being rested so that she was on top form for the team event. Yeah, I'd heard a similar thing. I mean, she clearly did fence the team event and clearly didn't fence the individual event. Uh, That's a fun... I mean, tactically, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you would expect Olga to do very well. I mean, she's obviously very, you know, ranked world world number one. And to be honest, it doesn't actually impact her world ranking that much because her minimum points are so high uh that you know another another medal in um uh another medal at another world cup probably won't impact her world number one seating or her world number two or three seating so it's not like it would have affected her for the uh for the olympic games or anything like that but yeah it was a big call to be honest and probably throws her out of rhythm a little bit i think she probably you know you probably normally wake up for the team event with you know slightly sore legs but that's that's the routine you've got into right mm. um and it and it didn't didn't pay off did it Brash? Well, yeah, and a really interesting match because um, Carlin was anchoring for for Ukraine against Poland going into the ninth leg, and she was forty thirty one up against Marta Puda. Uh, wow! I, I, I was lucky enough to to watch that match live, and Carlin was forty three. I mean, the Puda was on form; it was really fencing very nicely. Um, I wouldn't say there was necessarily any jitteriness from Carlan, but Puda was very decisive. She made up her mind and she got herself into that sort of uh, right decision-making pattern. She was choosing the right option at the right time. So to get to, to 39 points, to score eight in, in the time that Carlan scored three, she was certainly on fire. But Carlan was 43-39 up. He still thought Carlan's going to take this. Uh, Carlan didn't score another hit. And Puda took the match 45-43. And meanwhile, the reason we're talking about Ukraine is because they're in a ding-dong battle with Hungary, and Hungary beat Germany. Yeah, absolutely. That's the nightmare scenario for the Ukraine, isn't it? They, um, you know, fired up, got your your superstar, fresh legs, ready to go um, with a goal, presumably. They had one eye on that uh, France match. Uh, that they were sort of lining up for in the eight and sort of expecting to brush Poland aside, didn't happen. Um, with a platform to do it, uh, it's going to make things very difficult for them. 
Yeah, they, they went into the back table into the 9 to 16's placings matches and they won all their matches to finish ninth, so minimise the damage to some extent. So if we move on to the round of eight, well, Russia faced China and, and, and they went through. Uh, Hungary had a real ding-dong battle against Korea, winning that one 45-42. Uh, Italy took out Spain, who had had a great day, uh, and Poland had a, a stormer against France to go through as well. Dave, at that stage, we know the top four, Russia versus Hungary, Italy versus Poland. Uh, was that Hungarian? I mean, the Hungarian match, the Hungarian win didn't necessarily confirm anything, but it certainly was a good result for them. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if they were if they were just having a bad dream, the Ukrainians uh, losing, to, uh, losing to Poland, Hungary winning and then winning again over a Korean team is proper stuff of nightmares. Uh, this is not good and this just makes the job even harder. Uh, and and China and looking over and, and losing, uh, seeing their their um, Asian compatriots losing as well. They're losing a very tight match to Russia. That was a fantastic match. Um, and then looking over and seeing Korea lose a tough match as well. China only go with Korea in the top four. Remember. So you look at the eight and you think, well, this is really interesting. Mm. Poland already, you know, they're so far away. They haven't had a great season. They're so far away. But it's interesting that they can pick up an in- a scalp like uh, Ukraine and France. Kind of shows what might have been, to be honest. Um, but then you think, well, hang on. Ukraine are desperately hoping that Hungary aren't doing very well. And then they go on to beat Korea. Uh, and then China are looking and going, okay, well, we're probably not going to beat Russia. Hang on, we nearly beat Russia. But what we really need is Korea to do well. And they didn't do well. So that was sort of the takeaway from the eight was, well, hang on, can we catch Korea in the four? The answer is probably. Um, And have Hungary got too far away from Ukraine for that to be a challenge? And the answer is, well, probably. Uh, But we'd have to see sort of where it it played out. Uh, But we sort of now starting to think, well, actually, there's going to be a nice little battle for this fourth top four place. And then can Hungary catch Ukraine? But actually, if Hungary make the top four anyway, Ukraine go through. Mm. So it's a real little three-way battle with two European teams and an Asian team that really changes the dynamic of the qualification teams. Really opened it up. It wasn't what I was expecting at all. It's fantastic. No, no, it was it was certainly uh, interesting. Well, um, just as we conclude, the results I won't go to repeat the results. Um, uh, Russia went on into the final to, to beat uh, Italy and Hungary uh, beat Poland for... Uh, the bronze medal, but you were mentioning uh, the China-Korea situation and the fact that uh, China uh, need Korea to stay in the the top four, and they faced each other in the uh, in the five to eight. I, I didn't watch that match. Did China just sort of lie down and get hit? Did I didn't watch it either. I mean, um, that's what I would expect: is just literally lie down and get touched forty five times. I mean, that's you know, you're not winning that match, guys. No one is winning that match. Uh, like, Korea will beat us that is the rule you i, I mean I, I i'm i'm desperately looking through the results now to see if i can find them but it that that is a, a phenomenal situation that effectively they they kind of give up if you like yeah. in 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 the uh in the placings matches in order to save their chances of olympic qualification yeah, absolutely I mean, there you go let me hold the door for you sir you know um, yeah, 45-31 <laughs> okay. score in that match. Keep it respectable. So, keep it respectable. Don't ask it. No one will ask any questions with 45-31. That's fine. Yeah, Korea led throughout that match. And uh, there was a little bit of a, a show from uh, Kian Jia Rui in the uh, penultimate leg. But, um, yeah, 
comfortable, yeah. comfortable victory. Sure. Okay, so <laughs> that's. I mean, again, <laughs> you know, like you say, it was there was there was a lot on the cards, and 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 there was a lot of changes going on um, after or during that that competition. So, so what did we know in terms of the team qualification at the end of that, and what races? We're still on as we look ahead to the final qualifier. Yeah, so Korea can't catch, can't be caught by China. So Korea are going to the Olympic Games one way or another. But clearly, if they go inside the top four, that's great news for China because then China would go in the Asian place. But if they can be caught by Hungary or could be caught by Ukraine and uh, displaced outside of the top four, then that's great news for both Hungary and Ukraine. So they'll be both cheering each other on. And so the maths are a little bit complicated because, you know, there's sort of three teams. But um, what we'd be wanting to see is teams making finals. So if Hungary are making finals, then they can be catching Korea. If Ukraine are making finals, then they can be catching Hungary. Korea making bronze saves China, but unless Hungary and then maybe Italy as well can just keep Korea out on the points. It's... um. There's a lot of permutations here, uh, but I think what you'd be really looking out for is who's in the final, and if it's one of Korea, Hungary, or Ukraine, then we're going to do some maths. I'll tell you what, if I do end up going there to commentate, which, touch wood, I, I will be, um, subject to uh, travel restrictions yeah. around Europe at the moment, um, I'm, I think I'm going to need your spreadsheet. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, I'll find. I'll find. I'll fling one. Fling one across to you, Bash. You might need it. You might be doing that on a bit of paper. I promise you. No, for sure, for sure. Okay, well, let's uh, let's sum it up then for the teams. We, we know that uh, Russia, France, Italy, Korea, and the United States are qualified yep. for Tokyo 2020. USA cannot be caught in the Pan American race. Interesting one on that, Bash. Is that now confirms them all six teams qualified? which I think is the first country to do that. Very good point. Very good point. And first time we've had six um, team medals in Olympic Games, so I guess that's technically first time ever as well. So History being made. There we go. Well, those five teams qualified in women's sabre through the team route. Hungary sitting uh, in the lead for the European spot, but that's far from over because Hungary can jump, jump into the top four and they could be overtaken by Ukraine. Lots of permutations, as Davis said. China sitting pretty in the top Asian spot, but dependent on Korea staying in the top four. Tunisia, the interesting one. They hold the African spot at the moment, but I think they're going to have to get at least one victory at the final qualifier to stay in the top 16. Uh, so, Dave, let's move on to the uh, individual qualification stakes uh, going into the tournament. Well, we talked about Olga Karlan. She didn't compete in the competition in Athens, but she leads uh, the European race uh, from Bianca Pascu of Romania. The Asian spots held by Tamura of Japan and Bhavani Devi of India. Uh, Paige from Canada holding the Pan-American spot and Montessor of Egypt holding the African spot. Uh, big news. Um, just in, in general terms in, in the world of Sabre, Marielle Zagunis of the USA won her first World Cup since 2016 in Athens. In fact, her last World Cup win was in Athens back in 2016. So congratulations to her. And social media suggests that uh, she's actually now qualified for her fifth Olympic Games with that result. So congratulations to her, not only for the win, 
but uh, a remarkable story in her Olympic story. Uh, she beat uh, Lisa Pushtai of Hungary in the final. And then it was Emira Masaki of Japan taking bronze with Teodora Kuntura of Greece. So, uh, well, Dave, I, I'm going to start with uh, Europe again, simply because uh, Carlan, well, she didn't turn up uh, in the individual. She was there, uh, but she didn't even need to because she's so far ahead in that European race. Yeah, she's a monster. She's so good. She's going to the games. It's great. I love it. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Bianca Pascu had a great result, finished in the uh, top 16, 10th in fact. But Teodora Contura's bronze medal, well, that's a big result for her. Uh, how, how does that affect the European race? Yeah, another another little bit of silverware for Contura, which is great. You know, obviously after a world championship bronze. Um, I love that uh, that bit of... Uh, uh, that, that fact that we got out of the World Championships that Contura's bronze medal at the World Championships was the first senior medal at a championships for a Greek athlete since the Athens Olympics in 1896. I still think that's yeah. one of my favourite fencing stats ever. I love it. But anyway, uh, Dora Contura, good on her, so good. And now what that done has done is that's opened up quite a big gap for Pasco, against Pasco, uh, Bianca Pasco, who she also shared the podium with at the World Championships. So the gap's 14 points if you think about it. So it's 10 actual points. But then Pascu has to replace her worst result that counts, which is four points. That's a World Cup last 32. So that means the gap is 14 points. 14 points is a last eight at a World Cup. But then we'd be tied. And you do ties, you look at count back, and the count back is individual results. So Dora Gontura has two bronze medals. Pascu only has one bronze medal. Gontura wins the tiebreak if they're level. So that means the last eight isn't good enough for Pascu. She's going to need a medal, Bash. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's capable of it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you, I mean, if you can, if you can get to the top of the uh, top of the tree at the World Championships, you're clearly good enough. Uh, but it's a lot of pressure going into the last World Cup of the season. Yeah, interesting. One. But, but what about the result for uh, for Lisa Pushtai? Because the, that team race between Hungary and Ukraine is not over yet, and Ukraine could overtake Hungary. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're actually all not technically safe because of the different permutations we could have. Um, I think the the real the real interesting one is now Pushtai is just two points over Marton, uh, Anna Marton. But uh, Marton's problem is that her fifth worst result is six points, which is quite a lot. Yeah. So it means that actually. Two plus six is eight. That would be normally a last 16. But then we go for our count back. Lisa's just picked up a uh, silver medal. So a tie is no good to uh, Anna Marton. Lisa Pushtai wins that tie break with her silver medal. So that means Anna Marton to get over uh, Lisa Pushtai needs an eight. That's a pretty, that's a big result. So we've got a couple of interesting sort of tiebreaker situations that are thankfully quite clear. Um, but both of them are going to need need big results. So that's what we'd be looking for is, yeah, a medal from Pascu could upset Gontura, obviously the makeup of the team events, and we'll run through some of these scenarios in our preview, I'm sure. Uh, but if Hungary is starting to run into some trouble, and that's definitely possible with a great Ukrainian result, uh, Anna Marton's going to have to have had a great result on Saturday to keep out Lisa Pushtai. Um, and that's off the back of this silver medal. It's a great result. Interesting dynamic for the Hungarians, uh, that's for sure. Um, 
I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not entirely convinced they're the best of mates either. So, uh, <laughs> you know, having the battle in uh, on the Saturday uh, and then well, having to come together as a team, that's, that's a, a, a real big one to keep an eye on. Imagine they fenced each other in the 16 or something. Oh, oh, I mean, just imagine. Just, just the drama, the drama that Olympic qualification oh. uh, potentially holds for us is huge in women's sabre. That is for sure. Love it. So uh, the European situation is far from clear. Uh, so let's go into Asia then. Imura um, taking bronze uh, in Athens. Uh, Tamura, who was uh, in one of the Asian spots, went out in the preliminary one two eight. Surely that's changed things, hasn't it? Yeah, of course it has, Bat. Imura's uh, done, a, done a little leapfrog straight over the top uh, and now has a pretty substantial lead, I've got to say. It's um, yeah over nine points, uh, which means over 10 points with the result that Tamura has to uh, uh, has to catch up. So we're really looking at a, um, a top eight needed from, uh, from Tamura uh, at a minimum to get past Imura, which is, you know, out of nowhere. I think we've been talking about Tamura all season as being the best Japanese fencer. So it's just, you know, you see the impact of these high-scoring results. Um, be interesting to know. I mean, they, you know, as you know, they could use the host nation places and they could all be at the games. Mm. But you got to have your name, uh, helps to have your name on the team sheet no matter what, right? Well, that's it. And, it, and is that Japanese race just between uh, Emura and Tamura? Uh, Fukushima's a little bit further back, but it's now getting very hard. Like, she'd need to win, I think, to catch Emura. So... Effectively, it is over. Well, just it's a two-horse race, really. And what about Bhavani Devi? She was holding the the second Asian spot for India. She went out in the uh, preliminary sixty-four. Uh, how do things stand for her after Athens? Yeah, they're one of my uh, one of my favourite little uh, support groups on on the Facebook page. Bash the Indian uh, the Indian fans. They're very loyal and very excited. <laughs> I bet they are for the possibility of an Indian athlete at the at the Olympic Games. Um, doesn't have any uh, doesn't have any real challenges, Bhavani Devi. Um, realistically, you're not seeing any of the challenges below her going deep into the tableau at a World Cup. I mean, all things are possible. You know, always got to caveat these things. Uh, the real risk for Bhavani Devi is Korea dropping out of the top four, um, because then uh, then you would need uh, a Chinese fencer would take that first Asian place, and then her second Asian place would go to that Japanese uh, battle that we're talking about. So that's the real risk. I think Bhavani Devi might not even have to show up at the final World Cup, really. Uh, it's just really dependent on teams. So she needs an Asian team in the top four because uh, that means that Korea and China aren't considered for the um, uh, individual place, which is critical. Nervy times for her. And Coach uh, Nicola Zanetti, I'm sure that's, uh, that is a, an interesting story. That could be uh, history being made as well with uh, the first uh, Indian fencer qualified for an Olympic Games. Um, so still lots to consider with the Asian teams then and the Asian individual spots. Uh, so let's go to uh, Pan Am and uh, Gabriella Page uh, going into uh, the competition with holding that Pan American spot. Uh, and she got the best uh, Pan American result outside of the USA fencers. So one assumes she's uh, still staying in that position. Is that race over? No, there's a couple of other chases. You know, they don't have enough points to really, you know, because you can get 32 points for a win and, and Gabby Page is on 56 points. So, you know, even someone who just even just attended the Zonal Championships could technically catch her if they won a World Cup. I mean, this is not going to happen, but it's not mathematically over. Uh, the nearest chases are um, Maria Perez-Maurice from Argentina, but she's 13 points back. 
Alejandra uh, Benitez Romero, Venezuela, is, is still technically in the race, but they're going to need big results to catch her. Uh, she would be 99% favourites to go to uh, to go to Tokyo, which is great news. And last but not least, the African zone. Uh, Montessar holding the spot going into Athens, but Hafez, her teammate, got a top 16 finish. Yeah, that's changed it up uh, dramatically. So Hafez now has a nice three-and-a-half-point lead uh, over Montessor, which means Montessor needs a 32 to uh, to catch up. It's really interesting to see what these these sort of one big results can do, and they really dramatically change the table, um, especially for the individual, you know, the individual places from, let's say, the, the less strong zones, maybe we put it that way. Um, and obviously, remember, this is all predicated on Tunisia staying inside the top 16. Uh, if Tunisia drop out, then uh, Amira Benchabane, who is African champion, I believe, and got most of her points mm. from winning African championships, um, is actually higher than her fees uh, by about 10 points. So she'd need to do it all again, Bash. If um, if uh, if Tunisia drop out, and she's not going to know that until Sunday morning, so not certain yet. Um, I guess the real question, I guess, is uh, she'd probably be favourites to qualify through the zonal qualifier. So that's got to be a one on one race between Hafez and Montessor if Egypt don't qualify. Um, so we'll have to see. And presumably, everyone else in Africa is hoping that both Tunisia and Egypt can't send anyone to that zonal qualifier. Would be my guess. Mm, yeah, because it would open up another spot for for another African. Mm. It, that's, that, it's fascinating, isn't it? That that I mean, I don't, I don't want to call it one way or another, but Tunisia are really on the brink of dropping out of the sixteen, and and I'd say probably more than likely to do so. So, Hafez having got a great result, which would have buoyed her, no doubt, uh, may not have done enough just yet. Yeah, it's um like we discussed in uh, in the women's foil episode. We're going to need everyone to turn up. Uh, and we're going to need everyone to, uh, if they want that bonus uh, spot opened up, you know, there's got to be athletes there. If, uh, you know, the risk is, you know, these concerns about viruses and things keep people away, uh, then that, that could be a nice easy route in for, for Tunisia. But they haven't looked like, you know, speaking frankly, they haven't looked like they've been good enough to be winning regularly those last 32 matches. But, you know, you can only fence who's in front of you. So we shall see. We shall indeed. Well, here we go. Uh, we know that uh, Olga Karlan is uh, qualified for the Olympic Games. She holds the top European spot. Uh, Teodora Kuntura of Greece holding the second spot. Imura, with her results, jumped up uh, to the top of the Asian individual qualification standings. And Bhavani Devi currently still holds the second spot, but is keeping one eye on the Korean team staying in the top four at the last qualifier. Uh, Gabriella Page of Canada, she's looking good uh, for qualification, but not quite there yet. And it's the same situation for Hafez with the African spot, uh, hoping uh, upon hopes that Tunisia can stay in the top 16 at the final qualifier. Dave, uh, where where is that final qualifier? Where are we going for the last Olympic qualification for women's sabre? I think it's going to have to be Christmas uh, theme bash isn't it because we're we're heading to, to saint nicholas in uh that's in the uh, flemish side of the uh of belgium yeah 20th to the 22nd of march massive weekend in terms of fencing's olympic qualification well dave as always thank you very much for your insight cheers bash and thanks to all of you for listening we'll be back for more fencing podcasts very soon <laughs>